0: My name is Brian Gonzalez, a um, part owner of Long Island Glass. Uh, also own uh, Shakedown in Medford and Shakedown in Patchogue. Uh, the one in Patchogue, I've been there. Uh, this will be my twentieth year anniversary coming up. So that's my longest running business. Um, Twenty years. Twenty years. Yep. Same, in the same place. Um, definitely a quite uh, interesting story how I even got started there. Um, the day I was going to sign my lease. To start my career in the head shop glass world, um, there was a major uh, operation called Operation Pipe Dreams, uh, which was launched by the federal government to arrest anybody that made or sold any kind of paraphernalia, bombs, pipes, pretty much anything that uh, has a carburetor was was Mm -hmm. a big thing for them. Uh, but what they did was they busted, you know, the biggest names they could find. Was Tommy Chong was the top of the list. Uh, he did end up doing, I think, nine months in federal prison for. And he didn't even make the bongs or sell the bongs. His son actually did. Uh, and
1: what he took the fall
0: for? It? Yeah, because they said they will take you, your wife, and your son, or we'll just take you because you're the big name. And the funny, quick thing with him is uh, his cellmate was. Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street guy, Jordan Belfort, I believe. Wait, really? Yep, and he's the one that convinced Jordan to write the book and then make a movie, so that, oh, that all the credit goes to Tommy John for that too. Holy oh, shit! Uh, then there was some other people in the industry, Jerome Baker, who was the largest manufacturer of uh, bongs at the time, which were considered you know the standard was a clear bong made in either China or India at the point at that time. But this guy, uh, Jason Harris, who started Jerome Baker decided to take the bong into an artistic level and added 3D art on each one of his pieces all sculpted by hand and it really elevated the the industry. So he became pretty popular pretty quickly and unfortunately he got the biggest target on his back because he was the one making the most money. So all these guys and it was like about five to six other major companies and then a handful of head shops around the country all got raided by the DEA and everyone was arrested. So that day that happened, that came across the news because the internet was not really like what it is yet. Talk about twenty years ago um, I was supposed to go sign my lease for my store shakedown, and uh, you know I, I was working for another, with another gentleman at the time at another head shop, and mm-hmm. he 's like, uh, "Well, what are you going to do now and i 'm like, "Well, my name 's not on any invoices my name 's mm-hmm. not on any business records anywhere i 'm going for it because i i just didn't I, I, I just seemed a little um, I don't know over the top whatever way you want to describe it it was so strange to me that how they were going after people because they were going to states federal law basically says anything with a carburetor or you could add water to it is considered paraphernalia so but in some states they basically looked a blind eye at at most of that so most states didn't crack down but the the dea was able to uh, partner up with, I believe, Pennsylvania, a couple southern states, and, and I believe out Midwest, and they actually physically went and arrested uh, head shop owners for selling paraphernalia. So it was a, definitely a crazy time to start a business, but I figured uh, I'm an unknown, but with a lot of knowledge, and I grew up in this area where I opened my store, so I had a lot of uh, help in the area, of friends I grew up with, and just... Uh, a general giant group of acquaintances and friends I knew that would support it, so I, I just mm-hmm. went for it. And uh, fast forward to almost twenty years now, I'm still there, and I just opened my second store, so it's pretty cool. And the new store, I'll have a little bit more freedom uh, to work within what the cannabis laws are locally. I'm kind of excited about to you know, be able to bring some of the social part to a store, which has been done on Long Island. We're going to provide an outdoor, uh, private area for people to consume cannabis socially they can meet up with their friends there there's no charge to hang out in the garden um you know it's just it's meant to be a meet-up place uh we've seen the one major lacking uh thing on long island especially with the legalization of cannabis is a place to go um partake and enjoy cannabis Mm -hmm. safely and don't have to hide behind a building or be weird about it you know so we're we're trying to provide with this new space you know a, a little safe haven for everybody to come and enjoy herb like they should Growing up with cannabis is, was pretty obvious. It's like everything we did as a kid, you know, a teenager and early twenties into my forties was considered criminal. I remember the first time we smoked; it was some crappy homegrown backyard stuff, and I don't—I don't believe I got high whatsoever. they
1: say you don't get high. Your first no, night.
0: the second one is the story that I can remember for life because it was kind of comical and <laughs> how it came about. Um, but I, 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 let's say 14 so i don't sound like such a young degenerate (laughs) so we uh me and a group of my friends we uh we'd be like shopping center carnival would come every year to this particular shopping center where we grew up and you know had all the little cheesy rides and you weren't sure if you'd live if you went on them or not you know uh but you know we're hanging out all night and one of my friends who had experience with marijuana a little earlier than me said hey you know one of the guys that have good marijuana is here right now you know i think we called it weed i don't know Called marijuana definitely didn't call it flowers. Uh,
1: uh, is that more something that's new? Oh,
0: flowers, yeah, yeah that's probably the last three four years it when too. it finally really clicked in my head, you know. Mm-hmm. But definitely not growing up, but uh, anyway. So, we we're at this carnival, and my friend's like, Hey, you know, that that gentleman has some actually good cannabis, so they'll definitely uh let you feel what we're trying to let you uh, know what being stone's like. I'm mm-hmm. like, Cool, let's try it, you know. So, we you know, we, I think we bought a ten dollar bag, which we call the gram, a ten a dime, rolled it up, rolled up some of it. You know, my friend got lit. It comes around to my one friend and as he's hitting this joint I notice it's in his mouth backwards and not only is it backwards but it's lit so as as the time but as I click that I see what's going on I'm like my friend named John I go John you're holding that the wrong way and as the words came out of my mouth he slowly pulled the joint away from his mouth with his bottom lip attached so his lip pulled away a little bit, still attached to the joint. So the first time I ever got high, I will remember. That. <laughs> it was quite interesting. Uh, the one thing that I feel like I was blessed, like in my high school, late years in high school, uh, we did have a local grower who really uh, embraced hydroponics. We're talking about like 1988, 1989. Mm-hmm. So he was definitely really early in this area on it. And it was the first time ever we got to consume flour that someone grew inside that wasn't what they used to call homegrown. This was, no, this was like boutique style, quality cannabis. Uh, the, the high grade. Very high grade. This guy actually went to Amsterdam, came back with seeds, grew it himself, That's awesome. grew it under the lights, did you know, did the whole hydroponic system. And it was the first time I was like, what the hell is that? And then in my early, early twenties, I spent a bunch of time out in California and they were about 20 years ahead of us as far as like quality of marijuana. Mm-hmm. They weren't quite legal yet, but uh, medical was coming soon. But these guys have been growing quality cannabis since the 60s, so they had us beat. So when I went out there and I saw a real high quality kind bud, what we used to call it back then, was I was blown away and I was, I was hooked. And when I came back from California, I, I pretty much all I would do was go on a hunt for who had the bat from. So to see where we are now... <laughs> Now it's almost like you can buy weed in Sub 11. It's it's just, it's completely blows me away. You know, every single stereotype, every fear, every paranoia kind of is gone now. You know, it's like, don't smoke in your car. (laughs) That's the only real rule in New York they set that I'm like, I can handle that. You know, it's like, so like go from like always worrying about looking over your shoulder at, at just something you enjoyed so much really never made sense to me.
1: So, that was one of the things I loved about Toasted Tuesdays, really, was because it kind of provided that space, safe space for people yeah. to be able to smoke. And I was telling people, a lot of my friends about it, and I was like, look, at the end of the day, yeah, it's, yeah, it's a brewery, and people will still get beer. But
0: Toasted Tuesday was uh, an event we started this year at uh, Blue Point Brewery in Patchogue. Uh, they allowed us to come in and sort of bring the cannabis uh, lifestyle and culture and blend it with the, uh, the micro-brew uh brewery you know thing aspect of what they have going on and what we found is uh like me personally i don't drink alcohol uh but i do love to consume uh, cannabis, So a lot of, for years, I wouldn't even step foot in the brewery because there really was nothing for me to do there. Mm-hmm. Um, so with this Toasted Tuesday thing we started, we were able to basically blend the culture. So people that, that did like to drink beer they could and then maybe smoke a little bit, they would come. The people that smoked and didn't drink at all, they would come. The people that drank and didn't smoke, they also came. Because what happened was with this blend of all these cool... Um, Different people and lifestyles all mishmashing together, but with canvas sort as of the centerpiece mm-hmm. and really delicious beer too. Uh, it really set an amazing vibe. Yeah, um, I agree. You no, know, we we provided a little bit of background music with this amazing DJ uh, Jarrett, uh, the mood maker he goes by. Uh, he kind of worked with us right away. We clicked. He got what we were looking for. We, did, we wanted music. We wanted it to be noticed, but not be the focal point of everything. Mm-hmm. Was, and he really clicked in with setting a vibe. It's walk into that place, you would know on a, on a Tuesday, mm-hmm. which is such a random day of the week, it felt like... Man, I really want to be here, yep. and you didn't want to leave, you know. Long Island gets crowded, and you know sometimes too noisy. And this provided something a little bit different, you know. It was just like I said, the vibe is the right word for it. It was no other way to describe it. It was just like riding the perfect wave or something. It was just amazing, you know.
1: We all talked about this, all the different vendors too. It was very nice that you always had. Yes, you had like your staple vendors, but then you always, every week there was always one or two or three yeah. new vendors.
0: I'm proud to say, you know, uh, Blue Point entrusted me with basically bringing in all the vendors truthfully i'm sure you could you, it's pretty easy to see is how diverse our vendors were yes yeah um 80 percent were at least woman-owned woman-run everybody and then everything in between and the rainbow was there and is there and it's like we've just had such a diverse group of people we've created a really unique Community. Mm-hmm. There's no other way to say it, you know, and I was very conscious of, you know, it seems like guys always get the spot first, you know, mm-hmm. and I was trying to reverse that a little bit and like, let's, you know, everybody is independent. Everybody's running their own little business. It's really tough. So what, you know, running the business is, is hard enough and making sure you have everything you need, but, but also having a safe cool environment to make some money and meet new customers is what I think I brought to everybody you know to all the vendors and then the vendors in turn brought all their uniqueness to a whole new group of people that maybe never would have saw their their work or their business. So I think it's been very amazing, the symbiotic uh, relationship we've all created. I mean, it it feels like family, you know? It's like some of us have only met a couple of times, but it's like, Mm -hmm. it's amazing how close to each other or look out for each other, you know? And it's like, you can't take away that the center of that is cannabis and cannabis brought us all together. And it's just proving that all the old stereotypes and fallacies, they're not real. You know, every single person that I come in contact with vendor or grower or, or head shop owner you know, these are all independent entrepreneurs who are really risking everything to to not work a regular job and not get a regular paycheck every week and not get health insurance for their dream you know so to me I see in all of everybody that I've been working with and working together a little bit of you know the struggles that I went through almost 20 years ago to get to where I am now and I, I recognize the people that are really are real are there for the good reason that they, they do care about their community. They do care about their customers. So that's the people i like to be surrounded by. So the beauty of that is if that's all you're looking for, the outer shelf has no bearing whatsoever. Guy, girl, tall or short, doesn't matter. You're all the same. If you're a work, hard worker and you're honest, you're, you're more than welcome to be, work with me. That's for sure.
1: Yeah, no, I do have to, I've been needing to say this to you, but it was Faye that kind of got me in there, you know, a little bit at first, sure. but- the fact that you you know after I did a little but that's because I have
0: respect for Faye because again she works really hard yeah and I saw in her really or right away early how the drive in her and how great her products really are it's like it's one thing to say you work hard but if you know what you're bringing to the table is not really a good product you're gonna get found out and probably washed away you know a person like Faye her product was great she's an amazing person so she tells me, "Hey, my friend Tori wants to to vent with you, you know." And I'm like the first answer is yes. She's, you know, let's figure out how to squeeze her in, even if there's not room. And you know, that's the other thing. Like we've built such an amazing circle and community. It's like I could just trust people on their word, and not have to worry about it. Like the vetting process gets done by the whole community. You know, and mm-hmm. if, if you have issues, whether they're. You cause drama or, or God forbid, you're a violent type of person. We find out about you pretty quickly and, you know, you're not welcome, you know? Yeah, I feel like... And that's the only people not welcome because everybody else is. If you can't find a space within what we do, Mm -hmm. it's probably you. (laughs) You know, you probably want to look at yourself a little bit.
1: People's true colors come out very quick.
0: Yeah, especially when they add money and... You know, you know, people are inebriated a little bit sometimes and maybe the, the words that come out aren't exactly right. Which mm-hmm. I never hold that against somebody. It's more their actions. You know, you could tell, you know, big scale of what people do and don't do that, you know, qualifies you to be a professional. You know, and some people really do get it. And when they get it, you can recognize it right away. Mm-hmm. They might not have everything in place yet, but you can see the people that are going to have it. You know, yeah. I pride myself in trying to shine a light on people like that.
1: The only thing I've heard about the Toast of Tuesdays is uh, people that live in Patron, they knew when it was starting. <laughs> oh, people, like, I'm, sure. Would smell it, uh, I'm sure. They were smelling I'm sure. And one of the things it. that
0: we do there is uh, we do provide a free dab bar. Uh, it's it's kind of uh, fun and educational, I like to say, because we provide free dabs. Um, you know, we educate you a little bit on the size and what it's going to make you feel like. We try to make sure you're comfortable, you know. Uh, but we've turned a lot of people on who've never dared before. Seen it. I've seen And it. every, I'm sure you've seen every age range from a 21-year-old mm-hmm. up until a 70-year-old. And they all enjoy it, you know. So the funny part is the people that we find, the people that have the most experience with, with, with weed, tend to not be able to handle the dab the most the people that really? are, yeah because the people that are new to it are cautious it and they're not overconfident you. about it like some guys are like oh I smoked 10 blunts a day and we're like yeah but a dab is like 10 blunts at once Yeah. So you and if you're not ready for that you think you're gonna because what I find I don't know if you've seen it it's like they'll take the dab and they'll hold the hidden
1: because
0: people don't tell them. <laughs> yeah, and I, dead I dead do. Dead. We, you know, the dab tenders always are like, you don't need to hold it in because it's a concentrate. It's hitting your bloodstream right away. It's, it doesn't need to go through your liver and all that. You're gonna feel the effects immediately, you know. So that, you know, it's so it's fun to like get people a little high, you know. Dabs. Yeah. So okay. okay so okay. we'll okay. do it quick. So the shatter, sure. which is the first thing that most people were introduced to, is mm-hmm. shatter is, is uh, used with uh, BHO extraction. Um, Rosin, the first rosin that really came about was they basically just took heat and they took buds and they put them in wax paper, uh, uh, not wax paper, but, uh, parchment paper. And they would just apply heat and pressure. And they realized when they put heat and pressure Mm -hmm. to a bud, it actually would excrete rosin and you Mm -hmm. could smoke it right there on end. So that changed the way people started looking at the glands and how they can extract. Then as people really got better and better into it, they started making, um, live, Live, live resin or diamonds, basically the same thing, uh, that they end up use, still extracted with butane. They tend to use lose, lose a little butane behind. That's called sauce. Uh, that technique is sort of starting to fall out of favor and move towards a non-chemical extraction, which is live rosin. So they'll take a plant live, cut it down, mm-hmm. freeze it immediately, and then within a couple of weeks or whatever, they, they're ready to, to, uh, to make their hash. They'll take that out of the freezer and they'll, again, put that, bet- uh, and they'll use heat and mm-hmm. pressure.
1: Huh. All right. Good to know. I didn't even know that, like, Long Island Glass or a community sure. like this existed.
0: So when we so. opened here uh, almost 10 years ago, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's a glass-blowing studio. So, you know, the art always came first, and it's still to us still so is what matters the most. You know, But because of what we create, you know, we do make pipes, we do make bongs, uh, so we do make devices that people can consume marijuana through, but we do a very artistic version of it. So, you know, we make pipes and stuff. Sometimes people never smoke at it. They just collect it, put it on the shelf because it looks pretty. But artist-driven mm-hmm. studio, uh, whatever level you are, you can come here. Beginner, we can teach you. So we started opening our doors to the public to sort of let them see, you know, I've owned a head shop for almost 20 years, mm-hmm. but I've never got to let people see the process or how, how the pipes they use get created, let alone let them meet the person who actually made the, the glass. So here at Long Island Glass, one of the beauties is you can actually meet the artist who made the pipe that you use, and we have an area where you can come and consume together with the artist. Uh, cannabis you know like most guys make a pipe get gets sent out to a store to a customer and they never meet the, the customer and they never, never never get to use their own pipe so most guys make something they never get to use it kind of unusual so when we created along last we we found like let's people let people see how it's made let them meet the artists and then let's have a social gathering around it and at the center of it was cannabis you know and so we kind of harvested that. We started to realize, like, all right, let's let, let them smoke here. We have ventilation. We're we're a glass blown studio. We actually are built to, you know, clean the air every second. So we're like, we have a safe place for people to consume. This is private. You know, we don't the public doesn't walk just in and out of here mm-hmm. so we can control the environment. Everyone's 21 or over. So like so Glass sort of grew that way hand in hand with the cannabis community because we gave them a nice safe place to consume and enjoy themselves and then watch art be created. So in the last year, year and a half or so, since cannabis was really uh, legal like all the way, uh, we've been able to open our doors a little bit more to the general public and sort of let them see what we're doing here. And from that, we actually started a private uh, club called the Kaya Club. Uh, It meets once a week. It's a members-only driven uh, club. Uh, every week we kind of have different things going on, different activities. Some of it entertainment like music and trivia and comedy. Other weeks it's uh, informative like teach you how to roll uh, a hash joint, uh, to teach you how to make a clone. You know, like We try to make something different every week. But even if you just want to come here and hang out with other people that smoke.
1: It's a good networking. The, the I call it
0: the uh, Star Wars Cantina. It's like all <laughs> all the mercenaries and all the all the all like the that. people from all over the galaxy like to meet join and hang out with a couple of people that are like minded in a safe, mm-hmm. uh, fun environment. They can watch art be created if they want. Like I said, they could just sit around the table and, and shoot the shit with their friends and smoke yeah. and compare what they grew and they come here and they share with the, the fellow members and their friends, new friends that have been made here. I mean that's the other thing. The club is I've, we've connected a lot of people that didn't know they were right next to each other like, oh, and yeah. liking the same things and mm-hmm. we gave them a, you know a, a, like a little oasis I guess to, to all meet what
1: was it I saw it a lot of a live after five actually so sure. many people would look back and be
0: like I mean that was amazing that uh, was in the streets of Patchogue you know we're talking about
1: with a live
0: dad bar mm-hmm. free dad bar in the middle of the streets of Patchogue with a line down the block of people of all ages anything you can imagine was all there trying to either for the first time or the second time and and It's pretty amazing to see in the streets of uh, you know our town
1: (laughs) fine when i was there me and my friend ended up going to like the benches that were towards like the the end of the um block that you know the dab bar was on and they were just like two or three cops chilling there and we're looking i'm like i know it's legal so i don't know why (laughs)
0: that's the sigma that you know and then i
1: see three other people at the other benches smoking and and just they obviously don't care
0: so imagine somebody that's been around cannabis for almost 40 years at all the thirty-eight of them, I was a criminal. Now the cops are walking by saying hello, and do we need anything at our dad bar? We did a festival over the summer, we did dad bar for four days straight, We had the police come by at least five times a day just to say hello, and you know we had a great conversation with them. And one of the things that that I loved was having a talk with them and asking them, like, you know, do you feel the difference of, you know, cannabis being legal as opposed to being illegal? And they're like, oh, my God, it's night and day. I'm like, I was like, you know what? It is? And they're like, what? I'm like, the people consuming are no longer afraid of you. Now you don't don't have to look at them as criminals, so you don't think they're a bad person anymore. So now when you both see each other, you're happy. So when you bring that vibe to a big festival, it's pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. It's cool to, to watch it happen right in front of your eyes, you know. By the end of the weekend, I literally took a picture with 20 different cops holding, you know, doing That's, a bomb I hit. Love you know? it's I like, love that. It's amazing, you know, and it's like, again, but they're getting educated too, you know. Like most of them, if you really talk to the police officers, the last thing they wanted to do was arrest people from marijuana. But the way the laws were written and the way it allowed them to get into other things it was a really useful tool for them you know but in their higher hearts i think most of them if you ask them do you think this is right arresting people for this most would say no you know and now that it is legal and now they can speak their mind a lot about it you do see like police are they're kind of all on the same side as us, you know. Yeah. You know, they have the same concerns. They don't want people, you know, underage consuming or you know, driving while they're, you know, completely impaired. But none of us want that either. So it's like, I think we're all on the same page, you know. Like adults being adults, you know, let us be. We got it, you know. And and they're seeing it firsthand. I asked them about four twenty at, at Blue Point Brewery. You know, we had over three thousand people there. Uh, they got they had not one report of violence, never fights. They didn't have to. Tell somebody not to drive or pull anybody over because mm-hmm. they had too much. They said it went off without a hitch, and I asked them, I'm "Like, how many other events in Patchogue Town can you say that about?" They said none. So to me, again, I'm proud of that. You know, that that's our community. Like
1: stigma and negative type of things that people associated, you know, smoking cannabis, this doesn't even exist.
0: Making the the, the plant illegal created crime mm-hmm. and created criminals when they didn't need to exist because now all of a sudden marijuana is legal and nobody's a criminal anymore and all those problems went away so which was the problem you know i I, to be the enforcement was the problem you know how does some guy go get up in the morning look himself in the mirror and say i'm going to someone's house and i'm going to take their children away from because they consume marijuana meanwhile the same person who's probably making this arrest has you know enjoys alcohol every night You could just see the clues in society people wanted more around and even if people that don't consume marijuana understand it's not this dangerous crazy weird boogeyman trying to get everybody if you don't smoke it you don't get stoned (laughs) you know and if you do smoke it you control how much you're like regulating cannabis i think is that's a big part of letting people know safely what the dose is if we can straighten out dosage i think it would help Turn more people on to how to safely consume cannabis and see how really beneficial it is if you're not overdoing it. Wait, just tell us the, the, what the dosage is, and we'll figure it out. You know, maybe you give us a little chart if we really need it. But we're adults; we can figure it out. I've never met anybody who smoked weed or, you know, and all of a sudden became a totally different person. Yeah, they might get a little quieter. They might have go melted into the couch a little bit. Maybe they ate more Oreos than they normally did. <laughs> But really, that's about it. I have never seen mm-hmm. a fight. I've never seen any aggression, basically, ever from someone who smoked uh, weed ever. So if we all know that, I think we all can come around finally realizing that, you know, weed's safe. We can let us enjoy it. Yeah. No, I
1: completely really agree with
0: you. You, you can talk all you want and have your Reefer Madness movies and your propaganda and try to scare people, but once people see the truth, you can't lie to them anymore. And I think that's what happened with cannabis. You took the veil off. Everybody saw you were lying. It doesn't create this, you know, giant uh, zombie world of weirdos. It's like, no, the guy working on your sink right now, or the guy teaching your kid in college, or the guy, you know, they're all, they all like, to consume marijuana, not on their jobs. You know, most of us are intelligent enough to wait till we get home. Just like the guy that likes to have a glass of scotch or a beer after exactly. work. It's it's that's like
1: it, me. That's usually a nightcap.
0: Yeah. yeah. So, again, I'm, I would never support abusers or people that you know break the law or endanger other people. So I think if we all see they're all on the same page as that, we could move forward more and allow mm-hmm. cannabis in more places and allow us to sort of, like I said, live our lifestyle in peace. And once we're with you guys, you sort of see that we're fine. <laughs> we're just like you. <laughs> it's the same thing with cannabis. If you don't want to partake, you don't have to. Just don't worry about what everybody else is doing, especially as long as they're being safe and they're adults.
1: All right, so before we wrap this up, I have uh, one more question. So uh, what do you think You know, the future of the cannabis industry slash community is going to be like, You know, especially on Long Island?
0: So much is so ambiguous still in gray just how you're going to be able to get it they still don't have testing set up so there's so much that still hasn't even come down that you you need A for B to work and for B to work you need C to work you know like yes. and they've only got part of A done so it's like I don't know We we none of us know yet because they could open it up and give everybody a license
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's the Colorado model personally and I the more I look at it I think that's what they're going to end up doing they're going to set out maybe we'll say 200 total licenses for people that are really disadvantaged, you know, uh, victims of the drug war, all that. They're going to get theirs, but it's going to be very hard for them to be successful. If you'd never run a business before, it's tough right off the bat. If you never run a business that has to run through the state for every aspect of what you're doing, it's almost impossible. Yeah. You have to have some sort of experience or somebody that has, it. so a lot of them are going to fail. To me, the whole dispensary model is old, it's done.
1: How would you tell someone like myself, introduce to the you know, cannabis
0: community? A place that does everything, like a micro business that's run properly. will have every aspect of the uh, cannabis industry basically involved with it. You'll grow it yourself, mm-hmm. you'll deliver it yourself. You'll Again, they haven't set any of these rules. So even if the micro grows, do everything right, they still have to get it tested, I would assume, because yeah. I don't know how else you would do that. Long Island specifically is a farm-based community since its inception. So to me, like, if you're a farmer out in, you know, out in uh, or one of these places where the winery is, why can't you go cannabis and have a farm stand right there and have a tasting room like you do for your vineyard? So, like, a lot of those businesses know how to run it. Their product, mm-hmm. to let them taste it, to let them try it, to know when they've had too much. Like, so personally, I... Th- think you're going to see that be the model a lot more used i didn't even
1: think about like a you know winery type setting but yeah
0: it's perfect though they grow hops out east already and that's related to marijuana it grows great out there so i think if they're smart they won't limit the licenses to just this type of place or just in this one town it's just gonna take a little while because the people that are still in power right now you know unfortunately these people are the last that generation that grew up with We've being illegal their whole life funny that we're in the roaring 20s of the 2000s now it's the same if you look at it on the timeline it's so similar Mm -hmm. (laughs) where am i you know but i love it you know to me it's like it's always been about the plant and now i can finally just enjoy the plant without worrying about being a criminal it's fucking awesome
1: and that's a wrap to our first episode of token with tori i hope you all enjoyed listening if any of you are curious about some of the things that brian talked about during this episode You're more than welcome to follow the Instagrams that I have attached in the podcast description for Shakedown in Medford, Shakedown in Patchogue, and Long Island Glass. Any of those are a great way to stay updated about any events or who to get in touch with about taking a class at Long Island Glass. Stay tuned for more updates about when Episode 2 will be released.